0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where lawmakers are lacing up their sneakers for a good cause. Senator Lauren Book joins us to explain the Capitol walk for child safety. A Senate committee votes to raise the legal age for vaping and smoking from 18 to 21, but things got a bit complicated. The issue had to be split into two separate bills. A House committee votes to shine a light on impact fees charged by local governments. A proposal to lock up doctors who perform gender selection surgery on minors gets a workshop, but not a vote. And that's about all it will get during the 2020 session. Hurricane Dorian didn't do any real damage in Florida, but customers of Duke Power will have to pay anyway. The PSC votes today on a Dorian surcharge that will cost consumers about $170 million over the next year. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and our continuing coverage of Florida Man, who was done in by his own sock. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, February 4th. The Senate Committee on Innovation, Industry, and Technology votes to raise the legal age to purchase and consume tobacco and vaping products from 18 to 21, but they took the long way around the issue. The original bill, filed by Senator David Simmons, was split into two bills, one for vaping, the other for smoking, and both bills were approved. Raising the smoking age was easy, but the vape shops are opposed to the idea of lumping them in with tobacco retailers. Jim Whaley says they are complete opposites.
1: We don't want to be grouped with tobacco. That's our enemies. That is not what we do here. We're trying to stop people. We're fighting the big corporations, and we're winning. Don't give these big corporations back. We don't want these kids to smoke. And also, these people that are dying, yeah, they're dying. They were buying illegal marijuana products off the internet, and it was laced with um, vitamin E oil and acetate. It's been proven. It's nothing that we're doing. We're helping. Cigarettes kill my mama. I had to sit there and watch her, my doctor, the doctor told her, said if you don't quit smoking, this is what's gonna happen to you. I don't care, I'm gonna smoke anyway. I had to sit there and, she, she, and eventually she had a stroke, she laid in the nursing home for six years, she didn't know her name, she, they cut off pieces of her, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Yet, I saw all this happening and it's such a strong addiction that I still smoked. I come up in the 60s, everybody smoked. Okay, so getting to the bottom of this thing, we are on your side. We, want to, we don't want the kids to smoke. That ain't what we're doing. The only customers we want is the older people that are already smoking. We want to help them, and we have.
0: But Senator Simmons says vaping should be regulated the same as smoking because many of the vape cartridges are loaded with nicotine, and young kids are getting hooked.
2: This bill does not take away vaping or the ability of a vape shop to operate. Absolutely not. It's simply inconsistent with the uh, federal law, as uh, interpreted by the FDA, is uh, raises the age to 21 years of age. In so doing, it regulates only the operators to keep them from selling these products to individuals less than the age of 21 years of age. I think that the individuals who have been talking against this uh, have, uh, once they've seen this uh, amendment, they don't have any opposition to it other than they came here and they're philosophically opposed to having any regulation whatsoever. But the fact of it is is that, as one of the spokespersons said, they don't want to be selling this to individuals less than 21 years of age. Senators, we have a crisis. We have a crisis on our hands. We have youth, up to 30% of them vaping. The bathrooms are full of uh, students who are running to the bathroom. Underage, middle age uh, people are not involved in this, what I'm talking about, but middle school students are. Once you get addicted, you can't. It's it's exceedingly difficult to break this. This is a crisis. They say they want to be part of the solution. This doesn't stop a vape shop operator. What it does do is it simply provides accountability. That's all it does. Young people are going to be dying as a result of this not uh, passing because we do need this regulation because we need the accountability.
0: After splitting the bill, vaping is now part of SB 1394 and the original SB 810 only deals with increasing the age for smoking. Both bills would bring Florida regulations in line with new federal guidelines. The feds raised the minimum ages for smoking and vaping to 21 back in December. The House Subcommittee on Local, Federal, and Veterans Affairs votes to impose new standards for impact fees local governments impose on contractors and developers. Those fees are supposed to help pay for infrastructure demands created by new development. But Representative Blaise Ingolia, who is a home builder in real life, says there's no mechanism in place to make sure the impact fees are spent on the right things.
3: I don't understand. There is, as far as I'm aware, there is nobody in government. So right now there's no impact fee review committee at all. And then we wonder how we get Taj Mahal's built out of uh, impact fees. Since there is no way the taxpayer has input on the taxpayer's being collected on, but they don't have any input on how it's spent, in the absence of a review committee, how is a taxpayer going to say, hey, you guys are charging $15,000 worth of impact fees but you guys are basically building schools that look like mini universities. Um, um, the last time I checked, you know, uh, you know, a great teacher and a great curriculum was, uh, turned out better uh, students than the school. I mean, I, I don't hear parents saying, my kid didn't learn anything, but the school that they went to, man, that was beautiful.
0: That's where House Bill 637 comes in. Representative Nick DeSegli says his bill would make the whole impact fee process more transparent and understandable to the public.
3: This bill uh, is trying to increase transparency when it comes to impact fees. Clearly, there's been an issue across this state uh, where local governments, counties, uh, have not used these impact fees uh, the way that was required. Um, there's no oversight in many cases for impact fees. And this is, this, is, this is a lot of money for a lot of folks. So this bill, uh, like, like someone mentioned earlier, we're, it's time for, for this bill to go through this process. It's time for this bill uh, to move where, where we can get everybody to come together to make sure that there is a high level of transparency and oversight when it comes to impact fees. That's why this has been a concern with the industry.
0: Sigley's bill has been approved by two committees and has one more committee stop before it can reach the House floor. A controversial bill that would have made it a felony for doctors to perform gender assignment surgery on minors gets his first airing in a House committee. But frankly, it's not going anywhere. The House Health Quality Subcommittee held a workshop on Representative Anthony Sabatini's bill related to medical care for transgender children Monday, and there was no vote. Since this is the final week of subcommittee hearings, that means the bill is pretty much dead for the remainder of the 2020 session. Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith opposes the bill. He says pressure from a bipartisan group of lawmakers convinced the subcommittee to hold a workshop instead of calling for a vote. Under Sabatini's bill, doctors who performed the procedures on minors would have faced up to 15 years in prison. The Florida Public Service Commission meets today to consider a proposal allowing Duke Energy Florida to collect $171.3 million from its customers to cover costs related to Hurricane Dorian. The Cat 5 storm devastated parts of the Bahamas last year, but did not make landfall in Florida. However, Duke says it mobilized 7,800 employees and contractors to be able to restore power if the hurricane had hit the state, as had been initially predicted. Under the proposal before the PSC, residential customers who use 1,000 kilowatt hours of electricity a month would see their bills go up by $5.34 per month. The utility would begin imposing the hurricane surcharge in March. The extra charge will last for a year. Next up, we talk with State Senator Lauren Book, who will be joined by state leaders today as she kicks off her annual Capital Walk for Child Safety to bring attention to child abuse survivors. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics.
4: The Florida Hospital Association is inviting health care leaders from around the state for Hospital Day in the Legislature in Tallahassee on February 3rd and 4th. The summit will include a briefing in the Chamber of the Florida House of Representatives as well as provide meeting opportunities with key legislators. Members may register online at the Florida Hospital Association site at fha.org. Again, please register at fha.org.
0: Welcome back to Sunrise. Our guest today is Senator Lauren Book from South Florida, and also you've got a very special march coming up later today. Why don't you tell me about that?
4: We are taking our walk from the highways and byways of this great state to the halls of Tallahassee, and we will be walking for 48 hours straight um, on our treadmill to represent the 42 million survivors of childhood sexual abuse in this country. Um, it's something we've been doing for a lot of years now, and we have folks come in from all over the state to come up and walk with us and share their Stories and advocate.
0: And when you started this, I remember it was a march across the state that ended here. What made you decide to ditch the statewide and just do the capital?
4: I'm old. <laughs> I'm really. I to say that, but I
0: didn't want to. No,
4: I'm really old. Um, my knees are bad. Uh, it's really hot. And um, and really, it's session time. And, you know, one of the things that um, we've come to to learn from our survivors is they want their voices heard, and they want it heard where it matters most. And that's where policymakers congregate and where we work on, on changing laws that help make our state safe. And so um, while it's for a long 48 hours, um, we're really excited about it, and we think that it is a good new mix because my niece couldn't take it.
0: So when someone wanders into the Capitol today, what are they going to see?
4: Well, we have a really beautiful treadmill set up. Um, we have 15-minute blocks that people can come and walk. Uh, there will be a great little grassy area with a fence. Um, there's going to be statistics about sexual abuse, sexual assault. Um, and uh, we want people to get involved and engaged and come and walk with us, share their stories, um, and 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 be a part of what we know is, is a sea change in how we look at um, sexual abuse, sexual assault.
0: Now, you've shared your stories many times. It's no secret what happened to you as a child. Is that a a cathartic thing? Why is it so important to speak out?
4: So I think for me, when I was going through what I went through in my journey, there was no model for how to be, quote, normal and to come out the other side. And I think when I look at these young people who come out and walk and share their stories and are a part of this movement, um, they have a very different experience. They know that this is not all of what they are, that this is a piece. I had to learn, I guess, the hard way. But I think it's because of survivors, um, not just like me, but all over that have really taken their voices back, talked about the things that have happened and how they've grown. Um, That's why I think it's so important to share that story. I mean, we have one little girl who um, ended the walk with us last year, and again, this year, it's her strong Um All those years ago, um, when she disclosed her abuse, um, she wanted it to be something strong and positive, and she's coming out and ending the walk for us um, all the way from Brevard. Um, and so this has become a part of um, people's story and their identity, and I think that's an, an important piece.
0: Now, is there still a fundraising aspect to this? Um,
4: we do. We still are. Really, it's about awareness, but we're always, you know, working on making sure that we can continue to provide education. We know that 95% of sexual abuse is preventable with education and awareness. And so we're always working really hard at several initiatives throughout the year, um, not just Sexual Assault Awareness Awareness Month, which is in April when we would normally be walking, but the legislative session now. And um, so yes, we're um, raising awareness and funds to continue to do the work that we do.
0: And this also ties into your foundation, does it not? The Lawrence Kids?
4: It does. Um, And the Lawrence Kids Foundation has um, done a a great job in in the advocacy and awareness piece. Um, And so they're coming out and they're walking. And I get to do some segments, not all. um, But I've gotten a lot of um, tremendous support from my colleagues here in the legislature. So we have the attorney general coming out and walking with us. We have the commissioner of agriculture. Um, Chair Bean is coming out and taking the really late... Eat hours, like the 11 p.m. to midnight shift he's got covered, I think, for me, um, which is really, really wonderful. And just each, it's the president-designate is coming out and kicking us off. I think that this speaks to um, where we are today versus when I started coming up here and advocating. Um, this is an issue that people want to engage in. People want to make um, Florida a safer place for children, and, and they're okay talking about it now, which I think is very different.
0: That actually leads an in- to what my next question was is for years Tallahassee ignored the problem is that changing?
4: I think it is. I think that this is an issue that people are leaning into the discomfort. I think people want to engage and make things different. Um, and we've we've had some incredible, incredible um, champions in this in this space, and they continue to do that work. Um, but you know, people are leaving the legislature. Uh, Chair Benequisto has always been such a strong advocate um, for, for for these types of issues, and somebody that I've looked up to and. She's leaving. And so, um, you know, I feel that it's my responsibility to continue to do um, that work and and continue to keep people aware of those things as new members come in. And, you know, one day I won't be here. And I hope that um, we continue to pass the torch, if you will, um, in this long journey that we have to keep Florida safe
0: for our children. Anything else you want to let the fans know about?
4: Well, if you tune in to LawrenceKids.org, you can watch us walking live. At all times. So when you're paying attention in appropriations to chair Bradley, you can also have a small window to see who's walking Um, and uh, and really just to be paying attention to this issue. I mean, it's one that's um, obviously near and dear to me, but also, um, you know, it's one in three girls and one in five boys that will become the victim of sexual abuse before their 18th birthday if we don't talk about education, protective principles. And so have those conversations. They're loving ones to have.
0: Thanks for joining us today, Senator. Thank you. Your calendar of events? Well, at 8 this morning, the House Insurance and Banking Subcommittee takes up a bill by Representative Aaron Graw to repeal the state's no-fault auto insurance system that requires you to buy PIP coverage, which stands for Personal Injury Protection. The House K-12 Innovation Subcommittee meets at 8. They'll consider a proposal by Representative Kimberly Daniels requiring public schools to hold a moment of silence each day. Governor Ron DeSantis and the Florida Cabinet meet at nine. They'll take up numerous issues, including proposals to purchase more than 5,700 acres in Sarasota County and 17 acres in Columbia County through the Florida Forever Land Conservation Program. The Florida Supreme Court is in session at 9. They'll hear arguments about proposed constitutional amendments that seek to allow recreational marijuana and prevent possession of assault-style weapons. Backers of the marijuana and assault weapons proposals did not collect enough signatures to get on the 2020 ballot, but they could give it another try before voters in 2022. The House Justice Appropriations Subcommittee meets at 9 to hear a bill by Representatives Tracy Davis and Scott Plakin that eliminates the time limit for child sex abuse victims to initiate criminal cases against their abusers. The Senate Ag Committee meets at 9, and the House Agriculture and Natural Resources Subcommittee meets at noon. They'll both be taking up bills that would make a series of changes in the state's hemp program. The Senate Criminal Justice Committee meets at 9 to hear several bills, including one by Senator Linda Stewart to increase criminal penalties for indecent exposure. The Senate Health Care Policy Committee meets at 9. They'll hold a confirmation hearing for Department of Health Secretary Scott Rivkes. At 10, the House Higher Education Appropriations Subcommittee will consider a bill placing restrictions on the sponsorship of athletic facilities at state colleges and universities. Abortion rights activists will hold a rally and occupy the Capitol to protest a Senate vote on a proposal to require parental consent before minors can have abortions. The rally is scheduled at 11, the occupation at 3. The League of Women Voters of Florida and other groups are holding a news conference at 11.30 to talk about the 2020 U.S. Census and its importance to the state. The House Business and Profession Subcommittee meets at noon. They'll hear a bill by Representative Sam Killebrew to end what are described as rent-to-own pet leasing arrangements for dogs and cats. The House Transportation and Infrastructure Subcommittee will consider a bill by Representatives Ana Maria Rodriguez and Blazing Golia to repeal the state law that allows red-light cameras. The Senate holds a floor session starting at 3 that could include a vote on that controversial bill that requires parents to give consent before minors can have abortions. The measure could also come up for a vote during a floor session on Thursday. At 3.30, the House Civil Justice Subcommittee takes up a bill to create a Florida guide to a healthy marriage. And at 3.30, the House Pre-K-12 Appropriations Subcommittee takes up a bill that requires public schools to have panic alarms for emergency situations like school shootings. And it's time once again for the continuing adventures of Florida Man, the guy who puts the duh in Florida. A Florida man is charged with attempted murder after police identified him with a sock. The shooting happened three months ago in Pinellas County, and one of the suspects ran away so fast, he left behind a sandal, a sock, and a pair of jean shorts at the scene. The crime lab found DNA in the sock that was a match for 19-year-old Octavius Jesse Henderson of St. Petersburg. They also found his fingerprint on the victim's car. The arrest report says Henderson is a gang member who was already facing charges for sale of cocaine and marijuana. That's it for this edition of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.